Hello and welcome to the Pioneers Post podcast, social enterprise stories and conversations from across the world. Today's Pioneers Post podcast comes from the NatWest Wise 100. We're at the Strand in London, and I'm standing in a room slowly filling up with people all here to celebrate the women leading in UK social enterprise. One of the speakers at this evening will be Sarah Weir, CEO at the Design Council, who I'll be interviewing a bit later. First, have a listen to her thoughts on bringing more women's voices into the impact economy. Good evening, good evening. People are looking a bit bemused, thinking, what's she doing? We've got four people speaking. So I'm Sarah, and I run the Design Council. And when I was asked to speak tonight, the title, Sharing the Stage, How Can We Create More Space for, for Women? I thought the first thing was about the physical element of sharing the stage. So that's what we're doing. I asked if three women maybe who hadn't spoken on the stage before, would be prepared to come and share it with me. Because it's often quite panic-inducing to speak on a stage. I mean, I've now done it lots of times, but I'm still nervous. And I think actually the day when I don't get that slight turn in my stomach, that day and I think, am I going to trip onto the stage, which I actually did do once many years ago with quite dramatic effect. Um, <laughs> forget my words, dry mouth, all of those things. The day that that doesn't happen, I think, is probably the day that I can't do it. But it's, um, it, it's, it's overwhelming thinking about it. And one of my trustees at the Design Council is called Lauren Curry. She has an OBE aged 31. That's pretty spectacular. Normally, you much, I'm certainly a lot older than her, but before I got my OBE, and she got it for service design. And she went to collect her OBE from the uh, queen, eight months pregnant, which was also quite impressive. Big red dress, big bump, black hat, fantastic look. And she has a program called Upfront, hashtag Upfront. And it is simply this, that if women are given the opportunity to come and sit on the stage with no pressure to do anything other than sit there, they are 30% more likely, having had the experience of what it feels like, to speak if they're asked to, or to put themselves forward if they're asked to in the future. So we have Jubilee at the end, Mariah in the middle, and Tilly. And when I asked them all what they did, they're, they're quite an extraordinary mix. So Jubilee runs an online learning platform for social entrepreneurs, rather wonderfully, after the speech that we just had. Uh, Mariah is a makeup artist and lawyer, which I thought was a pretty fantastic combination. And Tilly, this one was interesting, so I asked her what she did, and she said, um, oh, I'm nothing special, I'm just helping out. And I said, no, everybody's special. What do you actually do? So she trained as a dancer. And actually, Mariah has spoken before. Tilly said that she had danced on a stage, and for Jubilee, it's probably not her natural milieu to be, want to be out front. But there is a serious point about this, actually, because if you don't think the stage is one that you're entitled to, it's actually what our previous speaker was saying, you don't do it necessarily. So I think 
that sitting there hopefully felt to me like a good place to start. So thank you to all of them. And I'm sure so we'll have a 30% higher chance of hearing them. So yeah, thank you. My, um, my working life started in Lloyd's, which is the insurance market. And I left school at 16, and I started there as a sort of gopher opening the post, making the tea, running errands up and down stairs. And uh, the Lloyd's market in those days was pretty much all male. So there were 50 of us, 50 women, among 5,000 men. So we were the 1%. And you definitely did feel a bit like a sort of alien spe species. I made my way through and ended up as the managing director of a Lloyd's under, of, of a broking firm. I was the first female MD in Lloyd's, and by the time I left 15 years later, there were some 500 of us, so it had gone from 1% to 10%. But to be honest, when I was there, I looked back and I didn't really help open other spaces. Uh, I was just too nervous to try and hold on to my tiny space. It was quite a tough world, I have to say, and I, I didn't do that. I then left the city, jumped out, went into the arts and started my life all over again. And ever since then, I have made space and created space. And it's an honor and a joy to be able to do that. And I think for every generation, the most important thing actually is that we do it together. Actually, young men and young women really need to do this together. I think it can't uh, just be separate because that's how lasting change happens, when you get this sort of groundswell that moves together, not fragmented pieces trying to do things differently. Because, of course, women aren't a homogenous group any more than men are. Uh, you know, in our difference in the huge numbers of things that happen in our lives that mean that we have different challenges. But if we want to make impact, we have to be in the midst. If we, if we want to be noticed, we have to be present. And at Design Council, we wanted to ensure that more people that were maybe in the shadows, which was used in the title, uh, did come forward. And so a hundred years ago, as many of you will know, the Representation of People Act meant some women got the vote, those over 30 or who were married. But also it was the year when many women went out onto the streets to uh, protest because their landlords had put their rents up. While men were at war, the rents were put up. People were often living in quite slum conditions. Most people rented, they didn't own their properties. And uh, those two things together, we felt it was a good year to do this. So we've featured, it's called Leading Women in Design, and we featured the first black creative director in the UK, the winner of the best woman civil engineer in 2017, the youngest president of the Architectural Association, and many others who are just creating a different space for women to be in. If you check out the website if you want to have a, a look more. Design solves problems and design starts with people, but the design economy is 78% male. That's compared to 53% across the working economy. So I really think that needs to change and we're pushing on those doors that still seem to be quite hard to push open because our purpose at the Design Council is to make life better by design. But if 78% of the people making that life better are men, then the world of design right across the economy risks becoming disconnected from the design of the world. Because for designers to connect to the world around them, they need to reflect that world around them. And it was great to hear Unlimited being mentioned. We're doing a big program with them. I don't know if anyone from Unlimited is here. I can't 
actually see if I recognize anybody. They were in our office today. And uh, <laughs> uh, a big program down in the southwest of England called Transform Aging. So it's great to hear that NatWest are also supporting them. But let's be conscious then about making space, space for each other. And to go back to where I started, let's start with something easy. If all of us in this room, when we're asked to speak in the future, ask if we can share our space, it would make a big difference. And we could then look out to hear from different people, different voices in the future, because you now know that you're 30% more likely to hear from them. Hurrah. Thank you very much. I sat down with Sarah after the event to talk all about diversity in social business, male design spaces, and of course, sharing the stage. Thank you very much for speaking today. If you could sum up what the main message that you were trying to get across today um, was, what, what might that be? The main message for me is that we need to be open and to share, but really to share properly, not just in word, but in deed. And at the event tonight, I asked to share the space by physically sharing the space and asking if young women who maybe hadn't been on a stage before could come up with me. Because evidence shows that if you've had that experience of sitting there, you don't have to do anything or say anything, you're 30% more likely to speak after that. And to me, that's about words. Words are okay, but we need deeds. So for me, it's words and deeds. And if everybody went away tonight and next time they were asked to speak, they shared their space with somebody else, I think that would make a big difference. So when I was speaking to one of the three young women that were on the stage, Jubilee, who is not so much somebody that would necessarily want to be on that stage herself. And I asked her how she felt, and she said she felt quite nervous going up onto the stage, because I had said before and then that I felt nervous. Uh, and then someone else asked her whether she would be more likely to speak now if that opportunity arose and she said actually I think I might so that's a small stage that can make a big that's a small step that can make a big difference I find it quite refreshing when I hear people who are, who are in leadership positions or even people like actors and actresses saying that they still get really nervous I'm always nervous. I mean, tonight, as I was sitting there waiting for my turn and my stomach was churning and I had a glass of water underneath me and I was then thinking, I hope I'm not going to trip when I get up onto that stage and I'm wanting to drink the water because my mouth is going dry and I'm wondering I'm going to fumble over my words, even though I've prepared a lot. So I always prepare a lot. I was taught once many, many years ago that for every minute you speak, you should have spent an hour in preparation, whether that's just thinking, whatever. So I hopefully, I don't know, try to deliver things which seem quite casual. Actually, it's not casual. It's because I've spent a lot of time thinking about it and preparing for it. And I always do that. And the day that I think I'm not nervous, and my stomach isn't churning, and my mouth isn't dry, and I'm worried my hands are going to shake, is the day that I can't do it. <laughs> and um, do you have any examples of other ways that you might have um, shared the space as well in, in your work? I have mentored a lot of young women throughout my life, mainly because when I started out, I had a CV with not very much on it. And somebody took a bit of a chance on me and gave me a very junior job. And then I 
went and became more senior. So I've always looked out for people who don't necessarily have very good CVs, but they just have a spark about them, a spark. So I've followed those sparks and I'm still in touch with lots of young women who I've either mentored or employed and they're now in great, really senior jobs. And that's the joy to see people going on and doing something amazing that they didn't always believe that they could do, but I knew they could do. Great. I'd love to be mentored by you. <laughs> um, and uh, when Dr. Pragya was speaking, she, yeah. she, well, she brought up a lot of different things about diversity. Um, and, and she talked about how um, non-for-profit and kind of impactful businesses are often um, white and middle class. Mm. Um, have, have you ever taken any steps to kind of address that? Or is there anything that you might want to take after hearing her speak? I think at the Design Council, we are a charity. And I've been there for 18 months and the makeup of the staff is, I mean, I don't say this, but people say this to me, is quite different to when I started. So I think in terms of socioeconomic, in terms of cultural diversity, in terms of we're more women than men. And actually, I think you're not, you want to not be too female oriented, actually. So we were 68% women when I started. We're now at 60. I'm much happier with that. About 30% of our staff are culturally diverse. I feel quite happy with that. We're, we're in London. So it reflects that. But also across the class uh, structures. And I think all of those things are important. But you, you have to be quite conscious about it. And if you're conscious about it, you can make change. So we talked about how now 41% of social enterprises are run by women. So do you think things have maybe got easier for women than they were before? Well, I think if you look at here, we are 100 years on from the Representation of People Act. And still there are so some women got the vote then. And still there are challenges. And so things move quite slowly. So yes, of course, they've got easier from 1918 when women first got the vote. 100 years ago, things have got a lot easier. But I was talking earlier about the design economy. It's still 78% male. And so that's designing our world, designing places, designing products, designing processes. And if that's 78% male and yet the world, you know, the working population is 53% male, that means we've got a disconnect. So yes, it's easier but there's still work to do. I find that really interesting and mm, <laughs> um, I mean, male, male design spaces, <laughs> especially when I think of yeah. women's toilets. <laughs> mm. And there's always a queue outside the ladies, but never outside mm. the men. Um, uh, dishwashers. <laughs> I, I can't believe that a woman would design, you know, the thing when you have to put the knives and forks all into those little sort of slots on the top. I sort of suspect that might have been a man because it's quite geeky and quite difficult to put them into the little slots and every time I do it I'm thinking oh goodness me this design is quite quite a bore. Have you, have you learnt anything new um, from either the panel discussion or from from Dr Pragya or just any any anyone you met this evening? Somebody came up with a suggestion tonight a young guy and he said what about wise 50-50 so that men and women think about solutions together and I think that is a brilliant idea because if we just all keep going on tracks independently, we don't get the whole groundswell of everybody together doing this. Because this needs to go from sort of grassroots to government. And my advice would be do it together.
And are there any other lessons that you might have learnt um, from meeting the other women here this evening, many of whom are in early stages of their career in social enterprise? I learnt that, oh my goodness, this, the future is in safe hands. That's what I feel. It's your generation. It's your time to do it. And I know you will. What a positive um, message to be left with. Thank you so much. You've been listening to the Pioneers Post podcast. If you liked this one, continue following our WISE series and other social enterprise stories on www.pioneerspost.com.